the Tenuous Links podcast, home of the Golf Barons. Offering bloviated opinions on all things golf, discussing the game's biggest problems and some solutions to them as loosely as possible. Come add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons. Welcome to the Tenuous Links Golf Podcast, home of the Golf Barons, as we take a look back at the year that was, or almost was, and wrap it all up nice and neatly for you. And here with me, as per usual, is the one and only Philbert Philly. Great to see you. Good to be here. It's an almost look back because we're actually not sure. There's a fair chance we're going to miss a lot more. This is no, we make no promises of being comprehensive um, or of actually being informative. So it should be perfect. Well, why would we start now? <laughs> it's been a it's been a big year uh, when we look back at it, and we, we've covered a lot of topics uh, on this podcast during the year. Some of them have been controversial, some have just been downright silly, and others, Philly, uh, a little bit more circumspect, shall we say? Is there is there anything that's sort of I don't know that's jumped out for you that's really stood out for you uh, as a somewhat of a game changer for the year? There are 37 things that have stood out. But <laughs> from a game-changing point of view as opposed to changing the game, and I think this is one of the challenges, and I haven't come up with a good game-changer for a while, and I am going to kick off with a game-changer because I reckon that it's time for a real-team golf event. None of this rubbish team, and I just want to get this off so we can get into what we've spoken about this year. It has been a while, and I'm rusty with my game-changers. So it's a real team. It's a five-a-side event. So think NFL. I've got defensive units and I've got offensive units and then I've got the specialist teams of what seemed 450 people who actually were the last kids picked in school except the kids who are good at kicking. Very special teams. So they're the specialist units. So if it works for the NFL, why wouldn't it work for a team golf event? Whereby we're a -a five-a-side event. And listen up, PGL and Super Golf League, Saudi League and all the other leagues. I hate that I like where this is going. Five-a-side. You get a dedicated driver a dedicated iron player, you get a short game specialist, you get a, a long putter, like from outside 10 feet and an inside 10 feet putter, and they work as a unit. This is dead set genius. This would be gold. You've always banged on about the, the need for more entertainment from a golf point of view. I can't this, – Billy, dead set, this is the greatest idea you've ever come <laughs> up with. This is right up there with Uber Barons. Uh, this is magnificent. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic idea. How entertaining would that be? So who would be – I don't know. Give me a, give me an example of a, of a team that you'd put together. You'd probably have, what, a Bryson I off the tee. I didn't think I'd make it this far in. <laughs> would it be Would it be in uh, – is it an international thing? It is now. Um, yep. So you're playing for your country. Good. You're Added playing of, for your country. Bit of valour. You've got nominated country captains. So it's the new World Cup now. Uh, it wasn't three seconds ago, but now it is the new World Cup of Golf because we have to reinvigorate – President's Cup of Golf, so we have to reinvigorate that. All Prime Minister's Cup. This is evolving like COVID. Um, <laughs> there's a new strain. <laughs> so so there's going to be five captains selected, which will be the five players nominated as leaders in each of those areas. I make, as I, So there'll be a, like a driver captain. And I, anyway, um, then there'll be a draft. There'll be points allocation, so someone can't just load up. This is no PGL thing. Someone can't just load up and take the, the very best from a ranking. But we're going to have all the stats. You're going to have guys like Lou Stagner, who's going to be able to lay out all these stats about what's going on and who you would pick. There's going to be a draft night, like the NBA draft. It's Seriously, this is actually getting better as I think about it's it. It's fantasy really- <laughs> golf, although now I think it's not international because how's that going to work? Anyway, It is we'll keep- international. No, sorry, as in you're not playing for a country. 
it, what, it's not it's not Australia versus England versus whomever. Yeah, that's the second iteration of it. The the first yes. iteration might just, so yeah, I, I think I might have over and under thought your suggestion about it being an international cup. But but you have a room full of the game's best players. Um and again, men and women, maybe, maybe who cares who you want to go with? Um so you've got the choice of of all tours, of all players. You nominate a driver, and that may well be Kyle, as Kipper would call him, Birkenshire, um, it, it, all the way through to DJ. Who knows what it is? So from my point of view, I hadn't actually put down a single name, and you know that because I sent you the, the brief on what my idea was, that it's already developed. Driver, assuming I can't go back in time, the only, the only role I can fill is the iron player where I'd have, as Kip would call him, Colin Makakawa. Wow. This would this idea, quite frankly, I think we need to run a golf barons tournament with this. Get people in team. Let us let us know, uh, guys and girls. Swagger at golfbarons.com. If you'd like to see us get a golf barons event happening where you and four mates, uh, or you and three mates, depending on how we might have to actually be in Fallsville. But anyway, we'll work, we'll work out the details. But if you'd like to have this kind of an event where one of you is the nominated driver, one's the iron player, one's the, the putter or the, or the wedge player, whatever it, whatever it ends up being, let's make this happen, Phil. The ultimate teams event. I love it. Imagine the taunting that would go on with the, 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 the peer pressure of your mates when he's standing on 18T and you know you've got to get a good drive away because you're in contention. And he just blows one out into the trees. So maybe we need to have a, a chipper adder up is one of our special teams. That would be me because I had a lot of practice at it. I, I love the idea that I wouldn't have to drive again. This is wonderful. It really is a fantastic idea. We've all, but we all know someone, and I'm not going to harp on it, which I already have or labour it, but we all know someone who, who is dead eye from inside 10 feet. And we all know someone who is a good leg putter. Gee, I wish I had his short game, but thank God I don't drive it like him. No one's ever said that. Well, in fact, they've said that. No, no one has ever said that about me because I have no short game and can't hit it very far. Your putting. I'd take your putting, Phil. I, I'd be catting, I think, at this stage. But anyway, there's my. I, I just wanted to kick off with the game changer to get people thinking so they know that this is not any muck around podcast. For me, there's a, a bit of a game changer, uh, which is a little bit less fun, but I think equally as important. And I think golfers themselves, so PGA Tour golfers or, or any professional golfer, I think we need to really – genuinely have a look at turning this game into more of an entertainment game. They need to take a look at, um, at, at cricket, I suppose, to a degree, or, or even um, even basketball. A lot of these sports that the players understand that it needs to be more entertaining. And I, and this comes off the back of the Vic PGA. I was watching Vic PGA, it was, I think. Yeah, last week. God, it was excruciating. Slow. <laughs> these pre-shot routines were, I had to turn it off. I actually, and I, here's someone who loves golf, watches golf, lives golf, and I couldn't watch it because it was so excruciating watching people take oh, 40 seconds over a pre-shot routine and then miss it by a mile anyway. So what was the point of it? Why, why, again, this is this is Kipper's fault, isn't it? Teaching people these pre-shot routines that go on forever. Why can't a pre-shot routine be a quick routine? Um, I think it can be. And if you look at Brant Snedetica, um, he his is a, re, a, a repeatable pre-shot routine that is also lightning fast. You look. So why is that not being taught? I guess um, because then you can't charge as much. Because it's like I've offered. It's like this field of sports psychology. If all I said to them was think positively, then that's the end of the session, 
it's half hour or part of. So I still get my half an hour bill, but I can't then develop what Maslow would say about it or what a little bit of Nietzsche or all the other people. So then I just can't charge it. So I think it's actually just a cash grab. I think long pre-shoot routine. Pre-shoot. Pre- no, no, pre-shoot pre-sh- routine is spot on, Phil. I think you the old Freud, <laughs> bringing in some others, Freud as well. Um, are all a result of, of an eagerness to earn lots of money. But this entertain- this idea of entertainment, I continue to see, and big ups to Old Salty Golf. And Old Salty um, puts a lot of old images and videos and things up, as does the golf library. If you, if you look around Twitter and Instagram long enough, you're going to find some people who celebrate where golf was. And it was an age when Trevino was playing and Bellisteros. And I'm going to use those two as the examples. Even Palmer, in fact, all that entire era was we are entertainers playing professional sport. Um, you look at the NFL now, and taunting now is a is a penalty. That's ridiculous. But taunting was always the thing that people liked because wow, he's in his face, you know, and then it, it you know, it, it'll just take it's powder keg stuff. And taunting now is but, just waving a finger at, at a guy. It's a joke. We, we can't do anything. But but this idea of entertainers. So you look at Trevino, elite, 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 but knew where mm. what side his bread was buttered, and it led to. A topic that was dismissed readily of yours, and I am going to go over it again because we are reflecting back on if prize money reflected entertainment value. But I've extended it to what if prize money was was kind of just a set number and it was there and you relied on crowdfunding of the crowds that not only followed you, but that was your primary source of income. Because in reality, sponsorship back in the 70s, um, may have been. I mean, they weren't making a heap of money out of anything now. But it, but if if you relied on the crowds, I need to engage with them because at the end of this, they're going to get out their little pet tablets and they're going to give me an upworm or a downworm. They're going to give me a, a number out of 10. And on the basis of that, I can draw down a fund. I, I think this might be what you might have suggested at some point in time during the year. Yes, so I threw out a, a very simple concept and you've now found a great way to monetize it. So I like what you've done there, <laughs> Phil. You're a real, you're an entrepreneur. That's uh, that's magnificent. No, uh, but I really do. I, th- I think like you look at cricketers now, um, and, and it's a lot to do, you know, with the, the BBL. And um, you've got players are practicing what we would call like, ridiculous shots back in the day: reverse sweeps, ramps, all these sorts of things. They're actually practicing it to become really competent at it, knowing that that's an entertainment value that has a real cash value for them and their brand going forward. You know, a lot of golfers. They're not out there to entertain crowds. They're out there. You'll hear, you, you sit down and talk to these guys and it's, oh, this is a business for us. Uh, I just need to work my way through, get to, get to the cut, get paid, get to the weekend, make my money, go away. They can, there's so many of them that, are, that can sit 100, um, you know, between 100 and 150 in the world, make a, a great living and no one has heard of them. They don't actually really, if we're being honest, contribute much to spectators who ultimately are the ones who fund the game. In terms of contribution, so in terms of players who, who – contribute and put back. This is, and again, we'll get on to PGL and Super Golf League and all the rest of it, um, and maybe we just do that now. But the reality is is that there are, when the 100th player in the world is earning um, significant amounts of money, there's less, as you say, there is less pressure on them to 
contribute to the pudding to do the other things and and really ultimately to entertain. And the Vic PGA you used as an example was a really good one where maybe I just wasn't watching and maybe there were so few cameras you didn't pick it up, but there was no, it didn't appear to be any engagement between the, the crowd and it was a limited crowd, but the crowd and the players. And maybe that's because the crowd know that these players are precious and therefore I can't ever talk to them. But it would only take one Trevino. I mean, if you imagine a Trevino type, and I think John Rahm's probably pretty close to it, yet not quite there. A Trevino type would have hit the market now. Mm. Sponsors would be paying him extraordinary, exorbitant amounts of money because they'd want to associate their brand with him. He'd be earning an exorbitant amount of money through his play because he also realises that that is his profession. And you talk about growing the game. It's what would make people say, I need to go and play this game. Look at this guy. Look, you can actually have fun with your mates. I saw there was a quote from Tom Brady about, you know, golf, I love the competing, but nothing beats playing with my mates and then having a bet on the side. It's, it's, but it's all of these things that, that is what makes golf great. And I think the PGA players probably need to reflect it. And it's getting back to LPGA and even on the LET European Tour, the, the women are so much better at it. Yeah, no, no question. They're far more engaging and far more, there's a far more relaxed feel about, um, about tournaments. How do we change that mindset? And I'm, I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I don't think you can change the mindset. And the reality is when you've got the PGA responding. So I think, I think the PGL, I think it's the PGL. I think the PGL, as part of their plan that'll be dismissed, um, was almost to head down that track. You, you could feel there would be a greater level of engagement. And, and all the things from uh, the discussions they had around the details of the PGL would open itself up to greater fan communication, greater fan engagement, both both around tournaments but also within the tournament. Um, maybe press conferences where someone actually had an opinion. Like all these other elements where they're actually it's demanded of them. But there was another point that was made about these guys not understanding their role as entertainers. And it was and it might have been from that that no laying up podcast about the PGL, but can you imagine turning up to an F one event that wasn't a farce? Um, to find out that Lewis Hamilton wasn't driving was it max verstappen um wasn't driving whereas we have so many events now the best players in the world don't turn up so so their opportunity to entertain they've got get out of jail free cards absolutely i mean there's, there's a there's a lack of um a, a lack of incentive for them to be entertainers and that's i think that's the that's fundamentally what it comes down to if if it's demanded of them then they'll do it because they'll need to or at least breed a more relaxed um, r- relaxed feel and engagement from these guys with the crowd. Uh, and I think an example would be Jim Herman, uh, as purely as piss take, has got very active because of this PIP rubbish that was rolled out by the PGA Tour. Jim Herman, who was never in contention to see a cent of it, um, was hashtagging everything, PIP, 40 million, I want my share. But but he actually got it. Now, not, not elite player, but you know what? Maybe I'd like the 85th player in the world, and I'd go and watch them if I knew there was a chance that he'd, what do you think I should do here? Like, yeah, And Mickelson had that. And this is where I think the Champions Tour walks through a gap that the PGA Tour are going to leave, just as the old PGA Tour is, where they are entertainers. And maybe the Champions Tour starts to attract the entertainers from the PGA Tour who never felt that they could be themselves. And the Champions Tour lower the age to 45 and bring these people in and let them know that this is the fun. You're going to play for a lot of money, but you're going to have fun and we are entertainers and we are Trevinos. I think it's critical 
I absolutely think it's critical. No, agreed. This is going to be the longest podcast we've ever had, Phil, because we've got, you said 37 things you've got to talk about and we're, uh, we're down two. No, that's right. Some of them will be really quick. Anyway, about Rory. Um, so if we reflect back on the year, so club throws. But that's a pretty standard year. Yeah. Changing coaches. Yeah, standard, <laughs> standard year. Heaves into trees of missing clubs that never came back. And then throws Rory, them or snaps them. And then Rory tries to win us back. And he tried to win us, and I say us, because I think you might have convinced me that I'm off him, around the Olympics. Yeah, true. When he said, I've never try, tried so hard in my life to finish third. And then I thought, Rory, you've, you've grown up humble. Rory, yes. And then? And then Rory rips a shirt. He then undoes everything with his sooky, meltdowny shirt-ripping stuff, which were banged up enough with John from Chicago, one of our special guests of the year who we must thank. Um, but, Rory, you, your world can't be pluses and minuses. And as my old man was recounting a, a, a trip in a, um, a taxi that he had in Hong Kong many, many moons ago, and I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of people now, and he said he was asking the taxi driver about <coughs> Mao Zedong. Um, and whether he was good or bad. And so they went through some of the bad things that Mao Zedong had done, um, and luckily it was only a short cab ride, and then <laughs> went through um, the good things. And the taxi driver said, on balance, he's maybe a 60-40, so therefore I, I put him good. It's just this. So I don't know where Rory sits. Is Rory good or bad? Yeah, well, that cab driver was clearly, clearly wrong. But anyway, <laughs> I wasn't living there. But is Rory good or bad? Where's the tick for the end of the year? Does Rory is Rory more positive than negative? You're asking the wrong person because I w- no, I'm, I'm someone who was was a f- big fan. See, the, the reason I'm so frustrated with Rory is because I was a big fan of his when he came onto the scene, um, and just he's whittled away any of that respect just through the 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 manner in which he's conducted himself over time, the ups and downs and the inconsistencies, and I'm just. Uh, yeah, but one of my New Year's resolutions, Phil, I'm going to get one in early. Is I'm just I'm not getting into Rory next year. He's got a, a year free from my criticism. He will be he will be left alone. I'm done. I've, I've had enough, Rory. I'm done. Rory free 2022. I think that's that's good. You know what I want to be in 20. 20- what do you want to be? I want to be grow the game. I want to be hashtag grow the game free in 2022. <laughs> grow the game. He's. We've always said, we've said this for a couple of years. It just gets thrown around as a marketing hashtag, not as a belief. And in Australia, we get this comprehensive report on the state of the game. And very little of it spoke about retention. It was all about attraction, not retention. Forgetting conversion to getting them to play a game of golf. It was about how do I keep people in it? And we need more public facilities. Yeah, okay, yeah. And we need more, right, and we need more. Yeah, yeah, we do. We need more public golf courses, yeah. Um, have you spoken to any councils, Mr. Report Writer? Because Northcote want to shut Northcote. Toronto, and this is globally, Toronto, there are five munis in Toronto that are under pressure. They just had a national symposium in the US talking about the role of public golf um, and how critical it is to the game. and. Yes, we need to we need to grow the game, but you've got to have places to play to be able to grow it. Um, so you can't build more facilities if councils are wanting to close them just because it looks good in a report. So that's the first one. The second one, ticking boxes. So women's golf, as Fran pointed out in the podcast, far too often is about ticking boxes. 
Whereas if you want to get fair dinkum about it, get fair dinkum about it and think what it is. Don't come up with a glossy ad and think your job's done. Men's golf. So the latest growth figures show that men's golf is continuing to grow at the same faster rate than women's golf in maintaining the status quo. And is that right or wrong? Ideally, maybe the mix would be better, but if if nature is saying and choice is saying this is how it is, then maybe what could happen, we could invest in men and potentially they bring families along. Daughters, daughters and wives. And- wives, women, husbands. Who cares what you are? But but maybe go with the, you know, the, the, what do you say, low-hanging fruit? Small fish are sweet. I mean, they're all the metaphors in the world. Um, and then we get – sorry, go on. I was going to say that just touching on that, my podcast for the year was absolutely the, the one you sat down with um, with Fran. And if you haven't heard it yet, make sure you go and sit down and listen to it. It's it's a compelling a podcast as you're going to hear uh, from um, someone who is new to the game uh, but clearly, clearly has some – Wonderful insights into it. Uh, refreshing to hear, Philly. Uh, that, what, what do we call it? A, um, a Night's Tale, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, A Night's Tale. Go back and see that. listen to that podcast if you haven't. Um, but, but I thought Fran absolutely nailed it. Uh, and I just want to get to a point where we're not talking about men's golf and women's golf. We're just talking about golf and, and just the game and everyone is just happily invested in it, however they want to be. Um, and that's when you'll get genuine growth is when we don't need to and I agree that there do need to be things specifically to to maybe get the game promoted into certain areas but but there's also a point where if the game is stickier in certain places then maybe nurture that a little bit and see what comes up and then the last point on that because I do want to talk about friends podcast or just briefly or the impact of it um but Curtis Thompson um brother of Lexi Thompson um and this is one of the challenges, he referred to the girls beating the men. And a couple of people took exception to him referring to them as girls, not understanding that he was Lexi's brother. Now, if if I cannot refer to my sister as an elite golfer as saying, hey, watch the girls beat the men again, then seriously, Ken Bruce has gone back. So what was the – what was the? Um, I missed that. What was the upset about that? It was a girl instead of woman or – Yes, oh. that it was we need to get over this terminology and we need to – we can't call them girls, but it's his sister. So I reckon if anyone could, it was probably him. Um, anyway, Fran, this is this is one of the there, – there are two great things and pieces of feedback we got, and one was through social media and one was from uh, an email from John Hughes. Um, but the, the first one was a comment that was made on Instagram, and, and the bit that I took out of it was as simple as this. Fran makes me want to take up golf. Now – Amongst the rest of the comment, it also referred to spending time away from her husband and doing all the other <laughs> things that you know you have a little bit of fun with. But Fran makes me want to take up golf purely by explaining how cool and how much fun golf is. And this and Fran's description of every time that she goes out to play with Kelly, they know they're going to have a belly laugh at some stage. They just don't know when. How exciting is that? But it was also such an authentic discussion from from a listener's point of view because she didn't, Fran didn't she didn't gloss over it and say golf's the greatest thing ever and there's nothing wrong with it but she admitted that yeah that I go out and there are times where I just you know I get really frustrated that I can't do this and, and it's an actual honest discussion about how golf is ups and downs and peaks and troughs but fundamentally you're on the road to um to something special 
uh, which she is and remains um, committed to that. But but uh, it's everything that was good about the game. So Kipper, um, in his podcast I did, I did with Kipper when I asked him to sell me golf, to me that's the best minute of a sales pitch of golf that I've ever heard. Um, Franz is the best sell me golf podcast. Um, and that's – I'm not just saying it because – she was a guest and it was ours. But it, it just ticks every – it does tick every box. And then you've got John Hughes who was moved enough to write – and thank you, John um, – was moved enough to write a, a really lengthy email to us explaining what his journey in golf has, has been and and losing the game and rediscovering it and all the things that Fran was speaking about. From his perspective, it resonated clearly. Um, now, if you're in Tasmania, Sandpiper Ocean Cottages – um, look that up because John deserves his 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 cottage business deserves a pump up based on on the fact that he bothered to actually take the time and not just give it a nice podcast boys. It it, it was a really considered. So, so there you have it. If you want a free plug on here, all you have to do is send Phil an email. Yeah. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, big year Olympics, Philly. Massive year uh, having the Olympics, and again. Similar similar comments uh, to the previous Olympics of the players who played it. Uh, yep. What an incredible, overwhelmingly, what a magnificent experience it was. If you, you know, those who didn't play, you're a muppet for not putting your hand up and playing. And we were critical of several Aussies uh, who decided not to represent their country uh, and turn their back on the Olympics and, and, and didn't see it for what a lot of the others see it for. Um, and I've got these quotes, and just to, to remind people of, of- – some quotes around that. Um, the golfers that passed on it, I've got no words for them. Paul Casey. The Olympics is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. JT. Um, Patrick Reid, of course, he just wants to play for America in the hope of getting in the Ryder Cup. Um, Tommy Fleetwood's had a fair bit of passion behind it. So the two that stood out to me was Tommy Fleetwood and Gabby Lopez. Tommy Fleetwood, please excuse my language, but I'd just like to say that I effing really love the Olympics. Um, and you could just feel that they were caught up in the vibe. But Gabby Lopez, getting back to this grow the game thing, this nailed it. One of my goals as a player is to be able to grow the game of golf in Mexico and very little people relate to a major, but the whole country relates to the Olympic Games. So so just get her front and centre. So Gabby, between Gabby and Fran, you want to grow the game, Gabby, Fran, go. Because obviously they've got the thought and the ideas around it as opposed to the cash Speaking of cash, Phil, huge year in PGL, SGL, uh, whatever it's called, uh, whatever it will end up being called. Almost feel like we called this out very early, very early, and it, a lot of the things that uh, that you had said came true. We did have a lot of miss. No, we had great information that if you would line it up across SGL and PGL, it was accurate. Mm, yes, <laughs> um, but but there's a lot deeper. Um, understanding now of what PGL is there's no deeper understanding of what SGL is but but the rumors that were coming through were pretty on the money molded together yeah. to become the right uh, mix so if you go back to May so that that's May around the US PGA um, and it was PGA's major problem when we were talking about the fact that Norman at that stage was going to be the chairman and there was Saudi money and there was originally Saudi money in the PGL and now there isn't I like the fact that the PGL have developed what they want to do, but have almost basically said to the PGA, hey, if you want to do it, you can copy it. The PGA have responded with, no, we'll just write players bigger checks. Grow the game. 
Is Norman going to be able to walk his dog in Saudi Arabia? Just a man walking I his dog, Phil. There's a bylaw. There is a bylaw, in in and it's not well known in Saudi Arabia, that if you are walking your dog on the beach, there can only be one dog. So I'm not sure how he's going to go with that. But anyway, so that was that was fascinating to see how that develops. The, uh, the PJ's reaction um, was a really was a fascinating one um, because it is just a cash response. Was it surprising to you though? Because that's how I thought they would react. They wouldn't change up anything to um, you know anything in a big way, but they would just go, "Here, yeah, we'll just throw more money, more money at it," and that's what they end up it, doing. It's the, it's the most obvious lever that they've got. I mean, they've looked at a wall full of levers, and we can do this, and we can do that, or we can become progressive, or we can actually listen to what they're saying deep down and say, mm, "Maybe have we we have missed the point." But but to your point, and one of the things that that you've always spoken about was. The idea of missing the game. So with a big gap, I yearn for the next event as opposed to, you mean it's next week? What do you mean it's next week? And then we've got fake to quasi teams and double teams and four balls and CMEs and shark shootouts, which is fascinating in itself that that you've got Dewaki sitting there walking his dog up to the 18th congratulating people. Absence um, makes the heart grow fonder, Philly. We need to, we need to miss these games. We need to miss golf in order to realise how much we love it. Do you know my heart could not grow any fonder in 2022 for Colin Makakawa? Um, and not only my heart, but I think Ben from Canberra's heart and, and potentially Ben from Canberra's wife's heart could not grow any fonder for Colin Makakawa. If he can just start interacting with the crowds a little bit more, he's it. He is it, isn't it? I think early on, I, I did I call it very early on. I said, oh, I don't think, oh, yeah, you know, he, he his kid's okay. <laughs> like I didn't, and now I'm like, what a up. That that is the the understatement of the year comfortably. He's a jet. He's an absolute jet. Not there's a lot to like about. But we him. don't know. I mean, the, the point is, is we're not in a sanctum, so we don't know whether Makakawa, uh, sorry, Morikawa, sorry, Kipper's not here. Whether Morikawa is a flusher. When you made that call, that you know that he'll be okay. It's like Zalatras. Like we're still not sure whether Will Zalatras will learn to part, tidy up the little bits, or whether it was you just get that momentum. Uh, you referred to a psychological momentum when we're talking, you know, this hunter versus hunted. Um, whether he re- recaptures that magic, um, as opposed to just trying to do some crazy videos, promotional videos. But Morikawa's got a class about him. He, he carries himself beautifully. He swings it beautifully. He's got this combination of effortless power and then a short game, but his iron play is awesome. So that's why I say when we get back to my game changer, yeah. he's a tap well, he He's is. a lay down Mazaire for He's my iron player. You'd have him or um, Louis Ustazen. They're my two iron players that I'd love to have. You couldn't have them both in the same team, obviously. Well, I don't know. I mean, you could not both in the iron playing field, and you can't change positions. I mean, you can't go from quarterback to running back. Exactly. So once you've selected someone as a driver, if they're a little bit off with their driving, sorry to go back on that uh, game changer, which I'm sure will develop further. But um, so Colin Morikawa, three votes. There was another one that I became pretty fond of pretty quickly. Yuka? Yuka Sasso. Yeah. The, the reaction after 
her winning the US Open. Pure humility. Still, I've watched it. The joy um, when she was told that she would now have an LPGA status or LPGA tour card is one of the best 15 seconds that you could watch to actually give you a bit of a spring in your step. Very uplifting. Um, Very much so. Just extraordinary. Um, the Aussies, Minji Lee, um, you know, at Evian, Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert's, um, so now we're rolling through the topics, Lucas Herbert's homage to Challenge and to Jared Lyle um, will stand out to me as one of the great moments where it wasn't reading off a script. It's the anti-Rory. It's, hey, it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> 2022 yet. Phil, I'm allowed to have one last crack. He's, oh, he's the anti-Rory. He is full of humility, a good country lad. Um, down to earth, it was yeah. That speech, as you said, it was uh, it was an incredible speech. Um, it was extraordinary. Um, hoodies are extraordinary. Gimmies. Oh, gimmies at the Ryder Cup. Wow. I tell you what, it's caused. Now there's a big event, and it's the 40th anniversary of this event coming up uh, between Christmas and New Year, and it's the Walker Cup, the actual, the real Walker Cup, not the one played by the Games Elite. The games by, played by the Games Elite people, not players. Um, and there have traditionally been gimmies at the Walker Cup, and there have been a lot of them. There have been self-gimmies. There have been quick rakes to quote Club Pro Guy. There's been a lot of stuff that has had to be endured. At one point in time, I actually gave someone a putt that turned out to be the putt they needed to hold to win the whole tournament, uh, at which point someone uh, said quite audibly enough to hurt me because it was my very first event, oh, that's the effing ball game right there. Um, I didn't realise they were hoping so much that someone would miss the putt. Anyway, as a result of the controversy this year, a gimme rule has been instated at the Walker Cup for the first time ever, including a measurement. So in the very in the first round, which is Pill and Ambrose warm up, then gimme's a putter length, which is good for me. It's gonna be, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of broomsticks bought <laughs> purchased shortly. Well, that's exactly right. But but boy oh boy, there's also going to be a lot of long grips purchased and purchased in the next week because the putter grip length has become the gimme length for the last three rounds. If you have to measure it, you can't. it can't be a gimme. Why don't you just pop the ball? No gimmies. Because there's, there's a spirit amongst thieves. And that's all it is, is the spirit amongst thieves. So anyone who's ever asked for a gimme is the thief. Anyone who's either ever offered a gimme is a friend of a thief. Uh, or is attempting to manipulate an outcome because potentially the Calcutta had a bit of a blowout on the first night. Um, Gimme's, I, I don't know, there is no solution, but what really gave me the irrits about Gimme's was Bryson laying his putter down. So one of the worst images or memories for me of golf in 2022, uh, 2021, was Bryson trying to argue that his putter length should have been a Gimme length. Well, JT did that as well, didn't he? Um, but JT at least had a 35-inch putter. Bryson's is 39 <laughs> or 40 inches. Like, piss off. You're a professional. Go and entertain the crowd. Go and have a conversation with someone and encourage them to play the golf and get your putter out of the hole. Because Shane Lowry, if Shane Lowry was in proper um, backpacking mode, <laughs> then the result might not have been <laughs> enjoyable <laughs> for, um, for that. What about hair, Shooter? Far too much has been made of hair. I hope we have a hair-free – I hope we have a non-hirsute year next year, Phil. 
I don't. I'd rather people talk about my golf game. Yeah, hundred uh, oh. percent. Cam Cam Smith, leave him alone. The guy's a jet, and he. I know he. Ha- we've gone through this a few times. He hasn't helped himself. Uh, but if that's how he wants to have his hair, let him have his hair. Enough talk about it. Worry about his goal. So when a new um, publication, digital or podcast, I don't even know what it is, announces the man and the mullet, mm. and this is in the last week and a half, oh. it's sort of like, no, 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 we've moved on, so and far. he said he wants to move on. So let's move on. No further discussion of hair. What about bullying? Can we keep talking about bullying and your mate Brooks? Brooksy and Bryson and, you- and their, their new besties. Uh, wasn't that just a load of rubbish? <laughs> Didn't that turn out to just be manufactured garbage? Manufactured, absolute manufactured garbage on that that we did call this we out. Did very very early. Well, on. to be fair, we did have <laughs> we, we were on kind of every side of <laughs> of every part of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It could be this, could be that, could be that. Oh, you can hedge. We are the hedge fund, <laughs> the golf barons hedge fund. Uh, we just don't have a financial services license. But um, you know, from the from Bryson bagging his driver to Brooks coming out saying, "I love my driver." And he loves it so much, he's then switched out of it to, for 2022 because it just then became about money. But it, it, the, the Bryson Brooks thing's just complete rubbish. It's just If that's what PIP delivers, you reap what you sow. PGA Tour again, you've missed the point, you've buggered something else up, just come out and admit and it. And that just, comes, that just reflects on what we've been talking about with the entertainment side of things, that if the entertainment has to be manufactured, then it's not real entertainment. Look at, again, going back to, as you were saying, Trevino and the likes. Genuine people, like it was genuinely entertaining, just being humorous people or or, or being friendly, not coming up with an idea. And they played these matches, and I was reading a book about Jack Harris, uh, and, and Jack's name will come up later on, but it, it reminded me, and probably I wasn't aware of exactly how many um, matches that these elite players played at various golf courses over the course of a year, because this was about the game and it was about entertaining crowds so they for example would turn up at sandy golf links and it would be jack harris and on this example someone aussie pickworth who was the reigning australian open champion to play a two ball yeah just to entertain crowds like imagine if you had adam scott or or mark let's say mark leishman and cam smith got together and they said you know what let's do a six course tour and here's this is a game changer for you let's do a six course tour we're going to play your home track and my home track and one in each state and yeah it's going to cost a bit of money to fly around but you want to grow the game we're going to turn up we're going to tell the members we're there we're going to ask them for a gold coin donation um be it for begin again or be it for challenge um, challenge or whoever and we're going to play 18 holes and we're just going to interact with everyone we're going to ask for suggestions we're going to do the whole thing you would get a thousand people following around you'd raise 15,000 bucks an event. They could do it for nothing because they're paid enough money. And this is what Grow the Game is. And it happened. And it happened through golf's golden age. It happened through the 50s and the 60s. And if you read um, the book um, by David Lunt, it was called Jack Harris, Australian Golfer Extraordinaire. Um, you read about all these matches that they played, just, and, and it wasn't even to earn money. It was for the good of the game. Do stuff for the good of the game, it's because they love the game, Phil, and I'm I'm not sure there are. Uh, there's too many these days, and, and I don't blame the players because it's it's been the natural progression of of how the sport sort of evolved. That it's now 
it is all about business to them. It's their business and they just run it. They don't have they don't have that undying love of the game. And many of them do, but it'd be nice if if it was almost a prerequisite. You want to play this? You've got to love the game. And what I'll say is John Rahm and Ricky Fowler from the from the, the overseas players, from the US and the European players, continue to be the two standouts who will just sign and sign and sign. And there was another image of John Rahm when he went and played in Spain. He just kept uh, – you know, that, that old adage of I'm going to sign autographs until there's no one here who wants one. Like I'm completely ruined from a year. I've had COVID potentially. Twice. I've, um, twice potentially. I've won big tournaments. I've done all these things. But I'm going to do – because this is what – this is the right thing for the game. And I'm going to just sit here and keep signing and signing and signing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um what else have I got on my list? I double standards. I don't understand how there can be have been so much angst. I mean, I do, but as a friend of mine once pointed out, Me Tooism is as dangerous as botulism. The oh, is that what aboutism? Or what aboutism? Same thing. Edit that out. Anyway, <laughs> but but about Saudi Arabia. So the governing body of golf in Australia, and and I discussed this with Fran after the podcast. So I will not quote what she said. Because she she pointed out that there's a lot of areas in golf that as a new golfer, she hasn't yet immersed herself in, like the international game and, and what goes on. Because she's playing hit, fine ball, um, hit along the ground to three feet. Yes, that's golf. Hit a driver on a par three. That is also golf. Um, but I, I can't put up with, and I know I've said this probably too many times now, so to finish, this anti-Saudi Arabia and sit and watch Golf Australia have Qatar Airways trivia competitions and all the rest of it sitting there understanding that the human rights record of Qatar is no better than that of Saudi Arabia. It's a, it's a government-owned airline and I don't understand how that double standard can continue to exist in Australia. Now, there is an upside because it seems like we've all been a bit punchy, doom and gloom, other than Colin Murakawa and Yuka Sasso and the fact that Steph Kiriakou is going to arrive on the LPGA tour um, – um, along with Karis and Sarah, that, like there's a um, there's a new group coming to town. I'm particularly you talk about entertainers. I'm particularly excited about this because um, she's just got a lot of spunk, and there needs to be her manager needs to needs to keep her. She needs to stay as she is. They need to not try and yeah. change her and make, mold her into something that she's not. Let her be her, and she will draw crowds. In. Um, she will she will draw crowds. She she will be the best sponsors asset there is, and be a great example for others to be that it's okay to have a personality. So that's exciting. The other thing I'm excited about is the end of green reading books. Bring the skill back and separate the fields based on my ability to read a putt. And if you want to slow it down because you just can't see the line, like you're going to miss it anyway. Look, as we saw at the the Vic again using the most recent event at the Vic PGA, there were five foot putts being missed by six inches left or right because you can get the line all you want, Dav, but length, it's this combination. For it to go in, you've got to have length and line. Uh, and for for amateurs and average players, length is a far more important thing. But, yes, the green reading books is going to be exciting because it's no longer just Augusta that they don't get them. They're going to be playing events with on different types of grasses and just having to become professional. Phil, one thing that I'm very excited about uh, that we haven't touched on yet is the Sandbell Invitational. 
the announcement of the Sandbelt Invitational, I can't believe it hadn't been thought of years and years ago and, and played the Ogilvy. Um, I think Clayton's involved as well, isn't he? My, my, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, up to his neck. Is he? Yep, yeah, very good. He, um, he's the tournament director. Oh, okay, so that would be a form of involvement. That's I'm really excited to see that showcasing fantastic uh, Melbourne Sandbelt courses. Um, awesome. Love that idea. Massive tick. Get excited. Um, and it's just going to be spectacular. I mean, they, they run from across Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, Yarra Yarra and Peninsula, Kingswood South. Um, they're going to have a great field. There's There's no pretentiousness about it. It's turn up and get involved. It's, you know, this will be, in fact, this will be a great opportunity for one of these players at, at, an, at the elite level, at the really pointy end, to say, this is a great event for me to test this entertainment concept. And there's a challenge for one of you, because I know you all listen to us because we're deep thinkers. So here's a challenge. If if anyone knows anyone who knows anyone who's playing the Sandbelt Invitational. <laughs> Please pass on this I, message. <laughs> I don't care. Male or female, I don't care, professional or amateur, this is a chance for one of them at least to make an impact on the game and to have to set up their futures by being, oh, did you see did you see what she did on that hole? Did you see the interaction that she had with the crowd or he had with the crowd? What a what a perfect event for it, because that's what the event is all about. And it is going to set the tone and in a in a in a cancel or cancelling age, because we got on a bit of a roll with just cancelling everything, the fact that this exists and and these guys said, nah, no, we're going to do it. Like, it's just fantastic way to celebrate Christmas on the Sandbelt in Melbourne, Australia, and will become a marquee event. Love it. Okay, Philly, we have been looking back uh, at the year that was or almost almost was, will be shortly, but let's look a little further back. I know you, you've got a you've got a bit of a history lesson. You wanted to bring one back just to wrap up the podcast. Well, I do, and history lessons are going to make a comeback in 2022. So that's my prediction for 2022. Are they? You might not be on the podcast both? when they are back, <laughs> but based on your immediate reaction. But um, but I think they're really important. And, and I was reminded, I was very fortunate enough to catch up with an old friend last week by the name of Phil Hollingsworth, who's um, he and his brother Trevor uh, at Wattle Park Golf Course, and was reminded of a story that was relayed to me by the great Jack Harris, um, the aforementioned Jack Harris of the book Jack Harris, Australian golfer extraordinaire. Now, this story is not in that book because it is not directly about Jack. And I had to look long and hard to find this story. It's a big build-up. It'd want to be good. Um, so a story told to me by Jack, but all the details here within are care of Dan King at Golf Club Atlas. But this is awesome, and this is something for everyone to think about as they head into their rounds played over the summer or winter, depending on where you're listening to us from, and when, spring and autumn. <laughs> so I'm going to read about it. So Joe Ezo was a trick shot artist during golf's golden age. So in 1936, he won the German Open. Um, and, and he apparently bought some fancy jacket. Anyway, he won the German Open and was playing the Italian Open uh, in the Italian Alps. And he was demonstrating all these trick shots. And the club president said to him, it's a wonder with your skill you don't break the course record. So Ezar logically said to him, what's the course record? And it turns out that Henry Cotton had broken it two days before, shooting a 67. How much would you give me if I broke the course record? Because he was a little bit of a gambler. 
Where's Crazy uh, Joey's at? A bit of Lee Trevino about him. There's a lot of Lee Trevino about him, but he was a bit of a gambler. So how much would you give me if I break the course record? This is the night before. 1,000 lira for a 66, the present said. And I don't know my currencies, but I'm tipping that's a bit. How much for a 65? 2,000. And what about a 64? For a 64, you can have 4,000 lira. I'll do 64. Hang on, but this is where the story gets really good. And I remember Jack's eyes. I can still recall um, Jack's eyes lighting up when he told me this. He then took a bit of paper out. So this was reportedly, allegedly at the bar the night before. Where all the good things happened, Phil. He took a bit of paper out and he wrote down the score that he was going to have on each hole that led to the 64. And it is my understanding he'd had a few sherbets, and certainly that's the that, that's it all the time. So the next day, I'm just, I'll just read this. The next day, Ezar started well, making his pars and birdies where he said he would. On the ninth hole, Ezar lay two, 50 yards from the green, needing to make a three to hit his predicted score. He holed his 50-yard pitch shot <laughs> to make his three. He went out in 32. He came back in 32 for his 64. He matched every score that he wrote down the night before at the bar, having had a few sherbets. He matched every score but two. He birdied one hole. He said he would par, and he parred one hole. He said he would birdie. Joe Ezar, so I thank Jack Harris for that. Joe Ezar, you are unbelievable, and that is why that history lesson had to be told. That was a good one, Phil. And on that note, we'll bring today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast and the year to a close. Thanks again for listening to us and supporting Golf Barons throughout the year. It's very much appreciated by the whole team in here. If you have anything you want to share with us, please send us your thoughts to swagger at golfbarons.com or you can follow us on Instagram at golfbarons, Facebook, and also on YouTube. Have a wonderful Christmas, Barons. We look forward to seeing you again in the new year. And until then, remember to add some swagger to your swing.